The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to Sister Speak. Today you're joined with me, Lamisa. And me, Mariam. Lovely to have you, Mariam. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Feels like old times. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, me and Mariam have been doing this show for a while, so does take us back um okay so thank you all very much for tuning in to today's show um today we're going to be talking about confidence um but yeah just before we get into everything mariam for people who are listening to our show for the first time what's our show about yep so our show is a platform for muslim girls to voice their own opinions on current events and issues and form discussions on general topics such as religion culture politics and identity we want to note that all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other opposing views exactly um and just to let you guys know if you do want to share your thoughts with us on any of the topics that we discussed today um we will be live on facebook live and youtube i believe um and also if you want to text or whatsapp in you can do so on 0779481822 and you can also call in on 01582481822 we'd love to hear what you guys have to say um so yeah uh, we're going to go straight into our thoughts for the week. So this is a part of our show where we discuss our thought for the week. <laughs> so, Mariam, what's your thought for the week? I think my thought of the week is something that has obviously been happening around the world. Um, in Turkey and in the border of Syria, we know that the death toll has risen to 47,000 people. Mm. Um, and I think it's so devastating to see this because when you hear that there's another tremor, I think it just broke my heart because mm. these people are just recovering and then another earthquake happened. Yeah. Um, and whilst this devastation is happening, I do feel like a lot of people's faith is also being um, consolidated by the stories that you're hearing. I've, I'm sure people, some people have heard about the stories that are circulating on social media where people are, children are being asked, when well, you're not hungry over the last few days and they, say, they, re, they recollect their memory and they say, there was a person, there was a sister that was giving me food and water. Mm-hmm. When, um, and I read another story where someone said, that a child said that, were you, were you scared? And they said, no, whenever I was scared, someone came to hug me. And of course, as Muslims, we believe that this is the angels. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that's such a profound uh, uh, prompt to reflect because while Ramadan is about to come in, in one month and I just think we, if you take a step and you think about it, these people are under in the most devastating circumstances yet in those devastating circumstances Allah's providing, he has decreed for them to survive and so therefore he will facilitate them mm. under the rubble that they are and they had no food, no water it's almost it's impossible circumstances but Allah has made it possible mm. so for me it's been a point of reflection just to think about of course, you know, trying to help help the people of uh, Turkey and Syria and try to donate or share campaigns wherever it's helping on the ground. But at the same time, I feel like it has really made me feel closer to my faith because I just see how Allah has really protected these children, have, have protected the innocent um, in such impossible circumstances. Mm. And I think that's the thing we need to remember is that Allah is always there for you. And if he wishes to provide for you, then that's, that's what's going to happen. So subhanAllah, thank you for sharing your thought for the week. Um, and along those lines, I guess I want to say also, I think this calamity actually has shown how we can work together and really try and be generous and try and help the situation that's going on. So many people have, you know, um, kind of helped fund so many different campaigns to try and help the people of Turkey and of Syria. Um, and there's loads of local kind of uh, fundraisers that are going on in Luton as well, local community efforts that are occurring. Um, so I think all of those kind of just show again the generosity that we have as a community as well and kind of bring back that faith in humanity almost. Mm, unity. Um, exactly. And so coming up to Ramadan, I think what I want to say is try and try and remember that even if you feel like you don't have a lot to give, you still have a lot to give. Um, whether that be through time, whether that be through uh, money, whether that be through so many different other things, we all have something that we can give. Um, so just to try and think about what it is that we can do to um, make the world a little bit better every single day. I think that's my thought for the week. So very heartwarming thought of the week. <laughs> um, okay, so that ends our thoughts for the week. If you guys want to share your thoughts for the week, please do contact us. Also, you can get in contact via Instagram. We're on Instagram at Sister Speak. So yeah, drop us a DM. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Drop us a DM. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we're going to be moving on to our hot topic. And it is quite a topical one. Um, If you live in the UK currently, you know that loads and loads of public services 
um, some of them we haven't been able to use as frequently as perhaps we would do um, because of strike action. So a lot, lots, whether that be in the hospitals, whether that be the railroads, whether that be, you know, whatever it is, um, people are striking. Um, I guess the first question I want to ask you, Mariam, is what do you think about striking in general? Um, and what then do you think about uh authorities and authoritative figures um trying to stop people from being able to strike these are the two questions <laughs> mm, okay so i think everyone should have a right to strike um i think Why? If, if, <laughs> i think it's it's to protect human rights to protect our mm. rights to be in the best interest of people if there was no strikes then there wouldn't we wouldn't even have a weekend because that's that's how it came about um and i think that the strikes that are happening i think there's a lot of people disparaging um, doctors and nurses and teachers for striking because they feeling the pinch in their services. Mm. However, we have to think more holistically. I think we need to think in a broader perspective. If we're underfunding our heroes that we clapped for a couple of years ago, um, if we're not facilitating or providing adequate provisions for teachers who are teaching our next generation, mm. um, the fundamental strands of our society, if we're not giving them the, the correct amount of money and we're not giving them the provisions to enable them to do their jobs properly, then how as a society are we going to grow? And how as a society are we going to um, see a success? Because I feel the priorities should be there. I think the priorities are these you know, key workers. They were, they're called key workers for a reason. Mm. In the pandemic, they were the ones that kept us going. Um, so I do think that having strikes is really fundamental to ensure the interest of not just the people that are working, but the people that are going to be using those services. And okay. whilst that's not being portrayed in the media, I think we just really need to think about the bigger picture because if your doctors and your nurses and your teachers are underpaid, understaffed, that's going to affect your quality of care and there's going to be more um, mistakes happening in those in, uh, services, mm. not, in, uh, not in the expense of the nurses or doctors, it's just because there isn't enough resources to mm. be spread out. Mm. So I definitely think it's really important. I support and I stand in solidarity with everyone that's striking. I see. Um, in terms of people who might argue that striking can cause an impact on our everyday functionality we've seen so many disruptions people are unable to get to work because mm -hmm. of uh, railroad like sure. railway workers striking um what do you say in response to that in response to that i say that uh, one example we can see the nurses the nurses they predicted this they predicted there's going to be that uh, there's going to be a lack of resources when the funding was going to be taken away a couple of years ago and so therefore their voices were not heard at that time so mm -hmm. they they are the ones that put this forward that we need more funding, we need this, um, we need these facilities. However, that wasn't prioritized, and so okay. therefore we are facing the grant because of the decisions that were made a couple of years ago. Though the nurses provided the evidence that this is what's going to happen, so I do think that there's a lot of um, uh, anguish against these key workers, but we really have to think about why are they doing this and you have mm. to think about if you have your loved one in, in care wouldn't you want the person that's taking care of them to be in in the best of mental health the best of you know to have quality of care um so i think that people who argue that you know your service are being disrupted yes it, it can be quite difficult in 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 the present moment but you have to think in the long term this is the future of the country and this is the future of our gen for, for each generation to come they need to be able to have adequate provisions so yes it's difficult for us right now but it's something that has to be take place mm. in the long term interesting um i would have to say i agree <laughs> purely because um there are very obvious reasons as to why these people are taking such measures um and some people might regard them as extreme but frankly, I think the cuts that have been made and the situations that our current public services are at, in my opinion, mm -hmm. are also quite extremely in desperate need of change. Um, and so because of that, I feel like every single step they're taking, ultimately, like you said, is for the betterment of these particular services. Um, we can't just... I feel like people look at it in terms of individual gain for these individual workers and I don't think it's an individual thing it's a very um kind of comprehensive thing looking for looking out for the service in general whatever service that may be um and fundamentally it is a right we have a right to strike if things aren't going well we have the right to raise our voices against what we think is going wrong and be able to have a discussion about that if you're unable to have discussions about that 
you're never going to be able to improve the services and you're never be going to be able to improve kind of your working conditions for yourself and fundamentally everyone should have that right um in terms of authorities that try and strip people of that right uh it's quite a backward move frankly um and i think you know you're never going to get anywhere by um stamping on essentially and trying to drown out the voices of the people who are doing work every single day to try and make services run mm. uh, at the end of the day public services are what everyone is kind of um pegged up upon i guess our lives depend on it our education health transport these are all things that we rely on day to day and if these people are saying there's an issue with these particular systems and services we need to then listen to that and try and figure out how we can make it better instead of trying to drown out their voices yeah i think as people i think oh, where's the funding going to come but i think you need to think about you need to do a little bit more research where funding goes um and if you're happy for your uh, people in authority for their food to be subsidised by you <laughs> as opposed to children, I think that's where you're going to have to think about your priorities. Um, mm. Of course, you know, it's up to your discretion and what you think about that. But I think we really need to think about who are we looking after in our mm. society and who are we putting on a pedestal who doesn't really require the support. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what we need to kind of think about. I think we also need to think about who makes the decisions mm. because I feel like there's a lot of um, areas where people are making decisions and yet they have no expertise in the area of which they're making decisions for. Or they don't have the lived experience. And and those yes. who do have the lived experience are either uh, smeared to the nth degree, politically speaking, um, and then they cannot do what the people want. Mm. And then there's someone that's very divorced from reality that's going to take those steps. I so, think that's the biggest issue. I think people we have are either so, they haven't had that experience of growing up in in what we would class as the norm. Or they haven't had to rely on the public services that everyone relies on day in, day out. Mm. Um, either that or they're making decisions for an area which they've never been involved in. And it's like, if you've never worked in that area, how can I ever trust you to make a decision about that? And yet that happens every single day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's an issue, not just if we talk about in general terms, not just with governments or with politics. It's also an issue I feel like day to day in mm. companies in institutions um for example in universities i feel 100%. like the people who who make decisions for students are so out of touch with what it's like to be a student uh and they also have this kind of almost like i don't want to make it sound so harsh but they almost have a delusion of they know exactly what's going on and they know exactly how to uh, make a course a certain way because they've been through it in the past maybe 50 years ago but it's like times times have changed um and when people on the ground who are actually going through certain things are telling you these 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 parts need to change it's not just to make things easier it's to make things better it's not about ease and i feel like that's the issue that people have especially those in management they feel like uh people just complain mm. and i don't think that's the case it's it's a way of making things better for everyone we mm. know what we need to make ourselves function better we know what we need to to put out higher quality work and when that's not listened to by management when that's not listened to in a political sense by government i feel like that's when issues start to arise and you get these kind of problems which are never going to be solved because there's this kind of lack of communication between mm. two ends and you see that the people that, you know, work their whole life, for example, doctors have gone on strike, junior doctors, um, and you see that there's been an increase of people dropping out the profession. That's hugely problematic because the, the need is still there. And, mm. and if people are being forced out of the profession because their needs are not being met, then there's a question that's raised where, where's the priority? Whose priority is it? Um, so I think I definitely feel very strongly about people who are striking. I think we've come to a point where wherever we start to we're we're made to think that we need to be individualistic mm. because my train is not coming so therefore I'm going to be angry at people who are striking on mm -hmm. train I'm not getting the service at the hospital and so therefore I'm going to be angry mm. and then there's this this people are disparaging the people that are the key workers that are going on strike but they're doing it for you they're not doing it for themselves and I think that's I think that's what is quite problematic in the way it's being portrayed and just to pick off on one of the things that you said about the fact that, you know, people want to leave the profession. I don't think people understand the extent to which, like how true that is. Yeah, so it's not you can just say this. it. It's not even statistics. When I go, so I'm, I'm kind of from that field, right? When I go into uni uh, and when I talk to my peers and not even just peers, the doctors who are on the wards, junior doctors, the only thing that's on people's minds is how to get out how to go to different countries, 
um, what ways we can kind of bulk up our CVs to try and go to different. This is the experience that I've had after talking to people who are in the area. And it's not my own uh, intentions, I should put it that way. Um, but yeah, uh, these are all the experiences that I've had. And people are very prepped and primed, ready to go because they don't see a future in the current system mm-hmm. because of the working hours, because of the um, the current situation, because of the stress. Um, mm. And one big thing is that they find it sad that they've lived here, they've trained here, everything's done here, this is their country and they feel like they can't continue here. This is the biggest kind of thing. Um, and if we have a f- like the future doctors or the future nurses or the future people, like you said, who are going into the profession already so disheartened, already so like we're ready to get out, that's only going to impact negatively for the years to come in terms mm. of the health service. So I think people people don't realise the extent to which that kind of attitude is brewing. Um, mm. And that's why striking is so important to be able to change all of that so that we can stay, the people who are trained here, they can stay and they can contribute to the health system um, and we can continue it and keep it going. And people don't realise how much of an investment that these people have made to get into the profession. It's not just one or two years, it's six years, it's it's hard work and a lot of the times they have sacrificed so much to be our health carers, you know, you know the, when they have to go on placements they're not getting paid. And they're doing it for such a long period of time just so you can be taken care of. And then we're giving them working conditions that are completely opposed to their well-being. Sounds quite ironic to me. Mm. So I think it's really, really important that we stand in solidarity with people who are striking. And that's not just exclusive to doctors, nurses, teachers, train drivers, any kind of key services that we rely on. If you feel that your services are being disrupted, then think about how much they sacrifice to make sure that you have that stability. Yeah. And what is the point that they're having to come to this? You know, we it's almost like they have been pushed because people don't just do that. It's a last resort. Uh, I think that's what we need to kind of focus on. Um, in terms of, we've talked a lot about doctors and nurses. Do you think it's ethical for these people to go on strike? I mean, that's a lot. That's a big part of the debate people are saying because uh, obviously people's lives get put at risk. Um, so, what would you say in response? I think, to that? like you said, it's it was a last resort. A lot of this was predicted. A lot of this was mm. asked for. And so therefore, why should the blame go on on the people that are striking? Because this is something that they've been asking for for a very long time. Um, and yes, you know, it's people's, it is going to be disrupted in terms of people's lives. Um, and education is going to be disrupted. But would you want consistent disruption or would you want to be to solve the problem on the surface right now? And I think yeah. that's what we have to do. Some Everyone has to make these sacrifices now to ensure that the future community don't face the same problem. So I think in terms of ethics, I would argue it's very ethical for them to do this because they're thinking about the wider community. They're not thinking just about the present people. Yeah, I, I would agree. I feel like, um, especially since you're saying this was predicted and people knew this was going to happen, I think it's unethical that they didn't do something about it in the past. Mm. The people who could have done something about it didn't do something about it back then. And that's what's led to this. Um, In terms of people's lives being at risk, I think more and more people's lives are being put at risk every day from chronic underfunding. And I think this is the issue that needs to be tackled. This is kind of a a very abrupt way of saying, look at the problem. It's right here, right now. You Mm -hmm. need to see it. Um, And not only that, what I want to say is that, frankly, if we lose... So talking about just the health service in general, this is my opinion. I feel like if we lose the National Health Service, we're going to be putting so many more people's lives at risk. Because frankly, so many people rely on the National Health Service. Half of us, I feel like, me included, like I wouldn't be able to afford healthcare out of it. Do you see what mm. I mean? I feel like there are so many, especially low-income families, um, would be put at risk if we didn't have a national health system is just my opinion um, and I think that people argue that okay well if it's underfunded then it needs to be privatised but I think okay again where's where has the priorities where has been the priority in government um, the pot of money that could have gone to NHS should have been there um, so I do think that people really need to learn a little bit more about politics and understand how uh, funding is um, dispersed mm. and speak to your MPs you know you're a constituent you have a right to speak to your MPs to write letters to hear, get your voice heard so I definitely think it's it's a collective kind of uh, stance that we have to take and in terms of just making a whole new system why do we always have to make a whole new system and then problems continue in that new system it's not like it's going to mm. be problem free I think a better way to go about it would be to try just and to improve yeah. improve the current system find the problems listen to the people who are saying hello these are the problems and then try and solve them 
Um, and of course, it's a lot of work. You know, the way I'm putting it, it seems like it's really easy. It's not. Of course, it's a lot of work, but it's about bringing that discussion and trying to actually put the work in to find what the solutions are. Mm. Um, if we have any doctors that are listening or anyone that's been striking, do call us on one five eight two four eight one eight two two or WhatsApp us at ultra for seven nine four eight one eight two two. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess we are coming to the end of the first half of our show. Um, just to wrap up the first half, I guess me and Marion, we both agree with strike action. We believe that, you know, it's there as a right and as a tool to improve services and improve working conditions. Um, but yeah, like Marion said, please do get in contact with us, you guys. And in the second half, we will be discussing about confidence and how we've managed to kind of build our confidence over the years. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening and inshallah, we'll see you in the second half. Assalamu alaikum.
Assalamu alaikum this is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to Sister Speak um we've got Lamisa and Mariam in the studio here today um so yeah before the first half uh before the break sorry in the first half we were talking about strike action um and we talked a bit about our thoughts for the week and then this week in the main topic so in the second half we're going to be talking about confidence um basically a bit about how we developed our confidence and the importance of confidence in professional settings as well as personal settings um so yeah i guess first things first mariam what does confidence mean for you Wow, that's a very loaded question. I think confidence for me is being content with with who I am, um validating my own feelings and my own experiences and experiences and believing that I have potential and believing in myself fully. I think that was a very comprehensive answer <laughs> to a very loaded question. Um I I think I would agree with you. I feel like confidence is just uh having that belief in yourself and in your abilities and valuing yourself. I think and that's valuing. really important. Definitely. I feel like you can't uh effectively almost get your opinions across and what you have to say or do what you want to do um if you don't value yourself and you don't have that belief in your own abilities mm-hmm. um so yeah that's what confidence means for us so what does confidence mean for all of you listening in um if you do want to let us know what confidence means for you please do text the whatsapp in on 0479481822 you can also call in on 0158248182 um so continuing on with our discussion i mean would you describe yourself as a confident person i think it's an ongoing process i think i've become more confident mm. but i wouldn't necessarily describe myself to be a confident person though people out externally may think that she's mm. on a radio show she hosts radio shows and I've done all these amazing things I think for me it's always about development and I'm still growing into the person I am okay interesting um, so I don't think I can fully say that I'm a confident person because that's not true to how I feel okay but it's something that you're working towards I'm definitely working towards it okay interesting I mean if you were to compare yourself um in the past what what things would you say have made you feel more confident or in what ways do you feel more confident oh very nice nice question <laughs> um i think comparing to the past so i think the company around me has definitely elevated my confidence um and on the contrast of that the people the company i had before were really draining me and really belittling me and made me feel that i'm quite inferior mm. um and so once i removed that and and surrounded myself with people who are doing amazing things who are passionate who value me who value th- uh, what I have to say i think that really boosted my confidence and then that gave me the ability to to challenge myself and go to go beyond my comfort zone and try new things and mm. then that in a way helped me to continue this journey um because i really enjoyed just doing new things and i continue to do it mm. so i really did think for me personally it started off with company mm. and having good company has really helped me to gain confidence because it's just the energy that you have around you if you have good positive energy then you feel the motivation to do good things as well yeah so for me that has been my journey in confidence and i think comparing to what i was before and now and even i'm sure lemisa you have seen as well a huge drastic change i think i have become a lot more confident i think the value and the belief i have in myself has grown mm. substantially mm. um because i know exactly what i want and i know i'm just trying my best and that's mm. all that counts wow I find it so interesting. I'm glad that you have developed yourself and you feel so much stronger in your own abilities. And like you said, I definitely have seen that change over the years as well. Um but I guess I find it interesting that you've described confidence in relation to others. 
Mm. So you said it's due to your like your company changing mainly. And I think a lot of people um, have seen confidence as a self kind of attribute mm. um, and maybe not connecting it to the company that's around them. Um, I mean, in, in terms of, you know, what ways do does company really affect how confident you feel? Oh, is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so I think for me, because I had such a negative experience, mm. I think that's why for me, the contrast was effective for me. Whereas mm. if you have had positive experiences, I don't think that would be the same experience mm. for someone else. So I think that's why the contribution that I have to my confidence today is by the people around me. Yeah. Um, is because I lacked it before. Yeah, definitely. And actually thinking back on it now, I feel like confidence has everything to do with the people around you. Um, if you have people around you who are always because then we see it in people who are also overly confident and it's often because they have people around them who are always boosting them and always being yes people Um, so that's very true and if you always have people around you who are like you said belittling you or not um, kind of giving importance to you as a person or valuing you as a person then that's obviously going to affect you and the way you think about yourself so 100% Um, should I answer the question too? Of course, go ahead (laughs) In terms of uh, whether I feel confident or not, and would I describe myself as a confident person? Um, I think it's quite interesting. I feel like I'm not overly confident, Mm. but I feel like I have belief in my abilities, or I try to. I really describe. I would describe you as a very confident person. Really? Yeah, definitely. That's (laughs) my first impression. (laughs) My first impression was you. She's a very confident girl, and I. That was something that I just kind of inferred the way you were speaking, the way you upheld yourself. And I definitely saw the belief in yourself mm. um, from the very beginning in 2017, people. That's how long ago. <laughs> wow, I appreciate that. <laughs> I feel like uh, from a young age, actually, I've been put in situations where I've not known anyone. So I feel like changing schools actually made kind of made that that change. Because um, in Luton, you very much know everyone mm. that you're around. Um, you see them like every day some of them live in your area that type of thing and I feel like there's a um, a thing where you can grow up with the same type of people all mm. the way up until like sixth form um, and it's a good it can be a good experience it can be a bad experience I don't know I didn't have that experience um, but when I was going from junior school to high school I had to move schools um, and at that point I didn't know anyone like I knew literally zero people um, and I feel like that experience kind of brought me out of my shell a bit more Mm-hmm. Um, because you're in an environment where you have to make friends and you have to talk to people and um, yeah I feel like that's in terms of social settings is what made me a bit more comfortable and a bit more confident in terms of professional settings I feel like confidence always comes from your preparation and your ability mm-hmm. so if you feel like you've prepared for something a lot a lot a lot you will still feel that slight nervousness um, and a bit of kind of have I done enough I feel like that's inevitable but you will also have this kind of foundation and backing where you feel like I have even though I'm still feeling this way I still know that I've done this much work for this Um, and so hopefully you know when it comes to whatever it is you need to do that confidence will just easily come out because of the preparation that you've done Um, that's in a professional setting I feel like I feel like that's applicable to applicable to anything if you Mm. prepare for something and you're consistent um, even if it's small amounts then the compounding effect you will see it so I think that's a very good way to kind of approach things especially Mm. if you feel nervous about something Mm. Um, and even especially if you lack confidence if you just work on it um, day by day and you make it manageable for yourself yeah you will slowly bring, build that confidence because you get become familiarized because i think a lot of confidence sometimes is about uncertainty mm. you don't know the outcome you have yes. that fear of the unknown and so therefore if you prepare yourself and you, you know that okay I've, I've actually created the requisites to be able to do this yeah then you know within yourself that you've you've done all you can yeah exactly and that's where your confidence will will come from um so yeah 100% I feel like in professional settings that's kind of where confidence comes from more on the personal side I mean how confident do you feel for example if there was a room full of people you didn't know anyone um how confident do you feel in yourself how confident do you feel walking in that room and being like so that's really interesting because um a couple of weeks ago I went to this event event by Muslim makers and they just uh, they their space where they 
um, create discussions and roundtables for people in tech, Muslims in tech. Oh, okay. And uh, this is like the first time I went to an event where I didn't know anyone. Mm. And I sort of felt this anxiety, social anxiety. Who would I speak to? I don't know anyone because yeah. last year I was going to things. And the first instance um, when I was doing patchwork, yeah. um, I, I didn't know people in the first very first few sessions but then the same people came again and again so I knew people Yeah. but this was completely new and this is a completely unknown um, so what I did someone told me some really good advice they just said go to someone and just sit next to them that's smiling and look smiling yeah. and just starts talking and more often than not they're probably feeling the same so they'd be more than happy yeah. for you to say hi because now you just made a bond and then people would just come around and this is exactly what happened I just <laughs> sat next to someone who seemed really nice yeah. um, she gave that very warm energy yeah. and then we just started talking and then I was completely fine yeah so I think it's it's quite difficult. I feel like COVID as well has kind of uh, robbed me from that ability to kind of just network because mm. um, when I was in university, it was just cut short mm. uh, due to COVID. And um, again, I, w- I was lacking confidence anyways. So I think I'm trying to challenge myself. I'm putting myself in situation. I'm just networking. I don't know people. Mm. I'm just, and I think that comes from self-belief, like be- believing in what you do, what your purpose is, what your passions are, mm. and just connecting other people because more often than not, we have more similarities with people than differences. And so yeah. it's easier to connect with people in that way. Definitely. And I like that that tip was about someone who's smiling, go over, sit to them and talk to them. Because the fact that they're smiling itself, I think kind of shows that they want to talk to someone and get involved. Um, and in situations where you don't know anyone, just often being that nice, smiling yeah. person will bring people to you. I think I'm, I think I naturally <laughs> just always smile. So that yeah. for me is just very effective. So. Yeah. And I think um, in those situations where you don't know anyone, it's very likely that um, no one will <laughs> no one will know anyone else as well. So everyone's kind of in the same boat. Um, I feel like when I'm in the in those situations, which I have been quite a few times, um, I kind of I kind of like it. I can't like it. Of course you do. Of course you do. I kind of like it. I kind of like not knowing anyone in there. And then it's almost like, you know, you get to learn a bit more about each different person Mm, and kind of find out what these people are about, that type of thing. Um, I think I kind of like that in general. Yeah, for me, that's a lot of uncertainty. Like, I just don't know who am I going to speak to. I need someone, like, to have a conversation with. But I think for me now, I've recognised, okay, this is something that I feel weak in and so therefore I'm just going to try to use this year to try to keep going to events that I don't know people yeah. um, and just network because I feel like introspection is very important and we talk about this all the time when mm. I speak about it mm. um, and I think that's one of, when you start to believe in yourself it doesn't necessarily mean that you think you're perfect in every single way you just you get you value the things that you're good at and you you value yourself that you know that I'm going to improve in the other areas and I think that's the kind of conversation I have with myself and mm. I want to apply that to how I'm going to improve myself in mm. terms of who I meet what I surround myself with I think that's a very healthy way of looking at it um I think a thing that helped me because it got a lot easier as I I feel as I got older and I think the reason for that is is because I simply just stopped caring um, I feel like especially in that new situation when mm-hmm. you see people, um, a lot of the anxiety that came to me when I was younger is how are they going to perceive me? Definitely. Right? I think that's a big issue that loads of people face, right? It's how are they going to think of me? How are they going to perceive me? Um, and, you know, that type of thing. What if they think I'm weird? Um, and I think as I grew older, it's like if you if you give me kind of a weird look or you feel like you know we're not we feel like we're not vibing Mm. at the end of the day you're someone that i've just met just now doesn't really matter you're entitled to your opinion Mm. and if i don't click well with you it's fine i'll find someone else who i click well with and it doesn't put as much of a pressure on me um and especially when you're going into a situation and you don't have that pressure on your shoulders anymore it makes it a lot easier for you to then be able to communicate with other people um because you're less nervous um, but yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that helped me because um, even recently I had a interview for something and I didn't have an interview in so long and I hadn't been in that situation where I didn't know anyone for so long. And so when I went in, I was starting to feel a bit nervous. Oh, yes. um, but then, you know, I just sat down and I started talking to people and it was fine. Um, so, yeah, I think in those situations, having confidence kind of comes from um you're you're like we talked about kind of abilities in yourself and knowing who you are and that type of thing but also going in there and being like you know I can talk to these people these people also don't know anyone here and you know it's a good opportunity to try and meet someone new yeah I think it's the I think people who lack confidence probably will resonate with this it's the fear of being alone Mm. you don't 
want to be alone in the situation um, because you you automatically perceive everyone's got their cliques and you don't want to be someone that's isolated but it's not the case you just have to go and say salam or say hi yeah most kind most people that are kind are going to include you and if they don't include you then you don't really want to be around that people 100%. anyways yeah so it's a filter for you regardless mm. that's a good that's a good way of thinking about it too um okay i mean let's talk now kind of a bit about pro- confidence in professional settings um i think the aspect that i more wanted to go into this was confidence about speaking up when things aren't right or Mm -hmm. when things aren't going the way we feel like it should be going Mm -hmm. um so a lot of people even people who you would see as confident struggle with being able to talk about issues in a professional environment um i mean what do you think about that how do you i think i've had a very direct experience of this um Mm. i was i had my previous job um i was in a school where someone didn't treat me right um i felt it was very islamophobic or it was racist and i found it very difficult to manage those feelings because it's uh, i think a lot of people can resonate with this sometimes it's very covert um and you don't want to amplify that when you're speaking to someone else because they just you feel that this people are going to dilute it so i think for me in that situation i felt how am i going to bring this up and unfortunately at that time someone in my team spoke on my behalf and I, I know they expressed how they thought it was just nothing that it was just something very insignificant mm. but to me it was very significant because mm. they're not from my background and mm. they're not Muslim and they're not ethically anywhere near to yeah. what I am and so therefore when this happened I thought let me let me sleep on it let me think about it, let me reflect on it um because reacting on the in the same moment isn't a good thing either i think to kind of think about what happened to me in a processed way um and enable to think okay actually this was very islamophobic it wasn't one instance it was a repetition of mm. events in that one day and yeah. so therefore i've come to this conclusion and i felt this way mm. and it is out of order um and i remember when i was reporting this i felt this sense of fear that what uh, my team members are going to perceive of me is that going to jeopardize the re- working relationship with this institution yeah. um and some people did make me feel like that is it worth actually reporting it because i was <coughs> reporting at someone that was uh, against someone who was very 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 senior in mm. that institution extremely mm. senior the most senior person in that institution and so for that person for me to account give my account to that was really difficult um but then i I think that was the first time I had a very honest conversation with my manager and I said it's not just about me it's about having accountability if you ever have another colleague who has the same background as me um and especially the area that we are working in social mobility if they are made to feel like that then how is the students in that school are going to be felt mm-hmm. mm. those two students saw what I experienced very directly mm. so they're not going to be inspired to become teachers because they just saw the disrespect that I experienced mm. and then the, on the other hand is the colleagues this the, the in terms of understanding how professional dynamics working if you cannot address a, a member of staff who's experienced something like that and you claim to be uh, you know the forefront of social mobility then where is the value where does the values lie so for me it was really difficult um some of my team members were very very supportive and they really wanted to make sure to see it through um especially for some of them the management um because obviously it's unacceptable and mm. i think it was i think that was the first moment where i stood up for myself even though there was people around me that were saying is it actually worth reporting mm. um to second second guess myself and i think confidence was really important in that moment yeah. because i wasn't really thinking about myself only i was thinking about but i don't want someone that who will get this job after was to feel the same way okay um and i and i felt really proud, proud of myself because it was yeah. it was a very difficult conversation because you're, you're you're grappling with that with those feelings where someone just really was islamophobic to you or racist to you consistently mm. um and, it, and and in front of a huge audience as well yeah. you just felt you just had to manage those feelings and then on top of that you have to go justify yourself to another board of people um so i think for me my personal experience i feel like it's so important to have that sense of sense of belief and i think it's important not to respond straight away i think mm. it's important to to think about what you're going to say to think about it rationally mm. um and i think it's really important to as well why the, the concept of ihsan excellence because i felt that i tried my best in this job and i haven't given them any scope to complain about me i've given my 100% mm. because i really believe in this concept of ihsan excellence and so therefore if i'm saying this is happening to me 
then there's no there's no way that they can think that I'm something that's going to become out of thin air, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the case. Even if you have a very bad reputation and something's happened to you, people are going to go through your reputation. Unfortunately, that's how the world works. Um, and that's not to say you don't have a right to report it. You 100% do. But I think that as Muslims... I think the reason why there's so much focus on character and there's so much focus on excellence is because it allows you to have a, a standing when you have when you mm. when when things do go wrong because mm. no one can um, say anything about your character and we can see that throughout prophetic tradition, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that he was known for his character. It was so difficult and since Surah Furqan, they couldn't say anything about him because he was so trustworthy. He had excellent character, so they just had to make things up. They had to say he's a magician, and that's described in the Quran, um, in Surah Furqan. So I think. A couple of things there. I think it's so important to make sure that you're giving your best and you're, you're striving for excellent character. Mm. And so therefore, when these situations do arise, you're able to stand up because um, we know in Islam, even if you, you should stand against injustice, even if it's against yourself. Yeah. So if no one's supporting you, you know that you're fighting against injustice and you just believe that Allah will take care of you. Yeah. That was a very long thought process. But no, there, I, there, there were a lot of important things said and kind of bringing it back to um, standing up in a professional setting I think you you talked about and discussed how difficult it really is to do that especially when there's people who are blocking you but not only that there's the aspect of seniority I think on that note what I want to say is we have seniority in loads of different institutions but just because someone is uh, has a senior position doesn't mean that you are not allowed to say anything against that person or doesn't mean you're not allowed to say anything to that person because frankly from a worker level I feel like we're all the same in that regard we all have a right to having good working conditions we all have a right to um, you know not be affected by things like this at work Um, and that is if you kind of have that look and out view on it it kind of helps make it a bit easier to approach those conversations because frankly this is your Right, right. Mm. I feel like a a load of us struggle with it because, um, and I'll talk about university again because that's currently where I'm at, Uh, people struggle with bringing their opinions forth to management and things like that because they're management or because these are people who already have very high level professions or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're very senior and they're scared about the consequences. They think that their job will be jeopardized or their grades will be hindered. A hundred percent. This is very true. It's a real worry because you think, actually, these people could affect me in some way. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is uh, I think generally we need to start having a bit more confidence in what we're saying and the, the visions that we're trying to push through. Um, because at the end of the day, like you said, it's not just for us. It's for the betterment of mm. everything that we're, we're striving for. Um, and we are allowed to do it. And I think as Muslims, we have that safety net that we know we're, we're in the correct stance. And so therefore, if someone is treating, mistreating you and you reported it and they continue to mistreat you, then Allah values it enough. So why should you stay in that situation? Mm. He will. It might be difficult at that moment where you might not have the financial means or etc. Mm. Um, but he will provide you another way because you stood up for injustice. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, obviously like look at your own situation and and see what's good and I I really appreciate that you said think about it um, because confidence doesn't just mean being able to you know say whatever you want straight away in that moment a lot of us will fumble with our words and when the situation happens it's very difficult to process all the emotions Mm. that are going on so I like the fact that you said think about it first think about what you want to do about it and think about what you want out of this situation Um, And that's definitely the best way to go about it. Uh, In terms of building up that confidence, um, I think, hmm, what's the best way to build up confidence in professional settings? I mean, how would you say? I think to build your confidence in professional settings, you need to first build confidence in yourself personally. So you need to be able to have introspection and and think about, okay, where are the things that are your blind spots? Mm. Where is the areas that you need to improve on? And then, do these things in your personal life yeah. so if you lack confidence in public speaking then go to places where you're even networking like we just mentioned yeah. because that's the public speaking you have to go speak to someone you don't even know yeah start off very small um and then and then after that once you kind of made a list of areas that you want to improve then you can apply that to work mm. because the fundamentals are kind of taken care of yeah. um, and then you can have that conversation with your manager this is where I see myself in the future um, what training opportunities are there how can I improve myself I want to be able to um, develop this certain skill I think that kind of just flows afterwards but if you're not within yourself don't have that belief then it's very difficult to create that in the professional setting because mm. you're one person and you have to think about that you're one person so you need to think about yourself personally first mm. before you go to 
you think about professional settings yeah that's very good that's a good way to build the basis um and then in terms of moving from that i know you said talking to your manager and things like that i feel like that all falls under the bracket of acquiring knowledge about what it is that you want to do Mm. um so whether that be you uh want to advance in your career Mm. or whether that be something's happened and that's upset you and you want to be able to do something about it or report it having the knowledge of the clear ways of going about doing that really equips you to be able to put whatever it is you want to do into action um so yeah being i feel like a lot of us kind of um go through uh various aspects of life whether that be work or things like that without actually knowing what to do when things go wrong or management yeah yeah exactly i don't think those things are uh talk to us and uh, something that me and you discussed as well in terms of like taking care of our internal wounds mm. I think that's kind of separate discussion but I think really understanding ourselves is fundamental if you want to become confident mm. okay so I guess that is <laughs> the the main point of today's show is being confident uh, in yourself helps to bring confidence in other aspects of your life um, and the way in which you can start to develop that is through a lot of introspection, which is Mariam's favorite favorite thing. Um, and it's something we should all do a bit more of, I feel. Um, so looking back, reflecting at ourselves and finding kind of things that you want to develop, um, things that you're already doing well and things that you can um, continue to do well, kind of propagate those things more in your life. Um, and that will help with confidence. Um, OK, so we've discussed quite a few different things. Um, I guess, Mariam, um, what's the one main thing that you'll be doing um, from this point on to get to the point of confidence that you want to achieve? I think I'm just going to continue this journey of trying to improve myself in terms of areas that I feel need improving. So like I mentioned, I went to, I'm going to try to keep going to events. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not going to go to events that are people who are like-minded because that's why I did last year. This year, I'm going to go to areas that I've never thought about to to get a wider depth and those things. Great stuff. Okay, we love that. Um, Thank you for joining us on today's show, Mariam. And thank you all for listening. Um, And we'll see you next week, inshallah, with another show. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.